0: Our gospel reading this morning is from the book of Luke, chapter 21, verses 25 through 36. There will be signs in the sun, in the moon, in the stars, and on the earth distress among nations who are confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your hands, because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told from a parable, Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is also near. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with the dissipation and drunkenness of the worries of this life. And that each day you catch, that this day might catch you unexpectedly like a trap, for it will come upon all who live on the face of the earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Amen. I'm using the pulpit today. I never use the pulpit. It's very exciting. Partly because I want, I want to share with you a story. A story that is really old. Some of you may have heard it before. It, uh, it's been around for a long time. It's been around for so long that it doesn't um, really have a source. The story is called The Rabbi's Gift. And if you've heard it before, indulge, indulge us a little bit here. The story concerns a monastery that had fallen on hard times. It was once a great order... But as the result of a, a wave of anti-monastic persecution in the 17th and 18th century and the rise of secularism in the 19th century, all of the branches of the order had closed, except for one. And now there was just five monks left at the mother house. Clearly, it was a dying order. In the deep woods that were on the outskirts of the monastery grounds, there was a little hut that a rabbi from a nearby town would occasionally use as a hermitage, a place of prayer. Through their many years of prayer and contemplation, the old monks had become a bit psychic so that they could sense when the rabbi was in the hermitage. The rabbi is in the woods, they would say. The rabbi is in the woods. As they agonized over the imminent death of their order, it occurred to the abbot, abbot at one time during the rabbi's visit that he might perhaps go to the rabbi and ask him what he would do. The rabbi welcomed the abbot to his hut, and when the abbot explained the purpose of his visit, the rabbi could only commiserate with him. He said, I know how it is. The spirit has gone out of the people. It is the same in my town. Almost no one comes to synagogue anymore. And so the old abbot and the old rabbi wept together. And then they read parts of the Torah together and spoke quietly of deep things. The time had come for the abbot to leave, and they embraced one another It has been a wonderful thing that we should meet after all these years, the abbot said. But I have still failed in my purpose of coming here. Is there nothing you can tell me? No piece of advice that you can give me that would help save our dying order? No, I'm sorry, the rabbi said. I have no advice to give. The only thing I can tell you is that the Messiah is one of you. When the abbot returned to the monastery, his fellow monks gathered around and asked him, well, what did, the, what did the rabbi say? He couldn't help, the abbot answered. We just wept and read the Torah together. The only thing he did say, just as I was leaving, and it was kind of cryptic, was that the Messiah is one of us. I don't really know what he meant. In the days and weeks and months that followed, the old abbot's And monk, monks pondered what it is that the rabbi could possibly have been saying. The Messiah is one of us? If that's the case, which one? Do you suppose that he meant the abbot? Yes, he, if anyone, he would mean the abbot because he is clearly a godly man. On the other hand, he could have meant Brother Thomas. Brother Thomas certainly is a holy man as well. And everyone knows that Thomas is a man of great light. Certainly he could not have met Brother Eldred. Eldred gets crotchety at times. But when you come to think of it, he's nearly always right. Most of the time, anyway. Maybe the rabbi did mean Brother Eldred. But surely not Brother Philip. Brother Philip is so passive. Really, hardly anybody ever notices him. But then he's always there when you need him. Maybe it is Brother Philip. Of course, the rabbi didn't mean me. He couldn't possibly have met me. I'm just an ordinary person. Yet, supposing he did, supposing I am the Messiah. Oh, God, not me. And they contemplated in this manner. As they did, the old monks began to treat one another with extraordinary respect on the off chance that one of them might be the Messiah. And on the off-off chance that each monk himself might be the Messiah, they began to treat themselves with extraordinary respect. Because the forest in which they were situated was beautiful, it so happened that people still occasionally came to visit the monastery to picnic and it's lawn and wander down some of the paths, even now and then, to go into the chapel to meditate. And as they did, without even being conscious of it, they sensed an aura of an extraordinary respect that now seemed to surround the five old monks and began to radiate from them and permeate the whole monastery. There was something strangely attractive and even compelling about it, hardly knowing why, they began to come back to the monastery more frequently to picnic and to play and to pray. They began to bring their friends to show them what a special place this was. And their friends brought their friends. And then it happened that some of the younger men who came to visit the monastery started to talk more and more about the old monks. And after a while, one of them asked if he could join them, and then another and another. And within a few years, the monastery had once again. Become a thriving order thanks to the rabbi's gift. The rabbi had become a, vi- the monastery had become a vibrant center of light and spirituality in that place. I love the sense of this story of the rabbi's gift because it has to do with looking around, of noticing that God might indeed be in our midst, and that is indeed the whole spirit of the season of Advent. Advent is about looking around. If you were listening to that gospel reading, what a strange reading to begin. The first Sunday of the Christian year, the first Sunday of Advent, doesn't begin with the story of Mary and Joseph making their way. It starts to talk about signs and the stars and the moon and strange events happening And it says, even with all of the anxieties that are floating around in the world, and we live in a very, very anxious time, even in the middle of the anxieties, look up, pay attention. God is drawing near. Your redemption is drawing near. As I think about Advent, it is a sort of huddling uh, a gathering around, not in, a, in an exclusive sense, but in a way that we are, we are gathered and we are looking and we are paying attention and we have our eyes open for where God might be in our midst. In this season of Advent, we pay attention to Christ coming to us. Two words that you hear a lot in Advent. One is incarnation, incarnation, I have to say this. Uh, When I... A long time ago, one of my early churches, somebody, uh, an elderly woman, came up to me and she said, Pastor, I was listening to Robert Shuler's Hour of Power this morning. That tells you how long ago this was. And she said, he said something I have never heard before in my life. Now, this woman was 84 years old and had been in Sunday in church almost every Sunday of her life. And she said, he said that Jesus was God in the flesh. I have never heard that. Now, I thought, surely we have talked about this before. This is the whole idea of the incarnation, that God comes and dwells among us, that God is with us, that God puts on flesh and bones in the, in the life of Christ and dwells among us. So don't tell me that you've never heard the word incarnation. God, God's presence with us. The other word that we hear a lot during Advent is Emmanuel, which means God with us. In the season of Advent, we are called upon to look around, to notice, even in the midst of all of the, the struggles in our world, all of The crises that seem to bubble up day by day, whether it is in our homes or at our borders or wherever we we move around in the world, there seems to be this free-floating anxiety. And that the message in the gospel today and the message of Advent is: pay attention, even in the midst of that, because God is with us. God is coming to dwell among us. God resides with us during the season of advent the season of christ's coming we are called upon to be watchful to be looking out for where the messiah is here in this church where is christ coming to you in your life where is christ coming in the midst of your marriage your family Perhaps in the midst of your grief, where is Christ coming to us here at Riviera, bringing new life and hope? Where is Christ coming into our world, even into our borders? Where is Christ waiting to be born? And then the spiritual work for us in Advent is to open our hearts wide, to receive That gift of the Christ child to know that that second coming is happening just now. If we are watchful, if we are paying attention, if we are looking up, God is drawing near. Let us gather our hearts in a time of sacred journeying together, a time of looking and watching and noticing where God is being born in our midst, in our hearts and in our lives, in our church, in our community, in our world. God is drawing near. Our redemption is drawing near. Let us lean into it and be open to what Christ will bring us. Let us pray. Gracious God, in this sacred season, open our hearts to the Christ child being born anew. There are so many distractions and so many things to do, and yet you call us to mindfulness, to watching and waiting and being attentive to the ways that you are coming into our lives. And so God calls us to lean into that mystery, lean into your coming, that we might experience a new Christ birth. Amen.